am thrilled for today because I always look forward to opportunities to having our church family hear from one of the heroes of world ministry impact. I don't know if, if there is a person that I can invite to this stage that has had a greater effect on what God's doing around the world than our ministry guest, Michael McNamee. Uh, if, you've, if you've been around, uh, you know Michael's story. Michael grew up in Belfast, Northern Ireland, grew up in the time of the Troubles, uh, was involved with the IRA, uh, has some pretty interesting stories. Michael has 40% of the use in one of his hands from uh, a bullet that he took uh, during the time of the Troubles. And uh, God wonderfully, miraculously lifted him out of that um, and turned a militant for revolutionary causes into a sold-out militant for the kingdom of heaven. Michael, it is always a joy to have you. I'm grateful for your friendship in my life. I'm grateful for your ministry. Come, speak to the Calvary family this morning. Bless you. You have to do Thank you so much. An incredible privilege to be back in Calvary. I was here three years ago, yeah, three years ago. The place has been transformed. You're looking better. Some of you still need help, but you're looking better. I'm sorry about my Irish accent. I've also got a dry mouth today, but it's an incredible privilege to be here. 25 years ago, I first came to this church. This church was on fire. Now it's more than on fire. This church is going to do something for the world. The world does not even know what can happen here this morning. Things that happen here this morning can transform our globe. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you understand me? You're lying. It's also wonderful to be with Pastor Ed and his beautiful and much younger wife, Jody. How did he do that? His daughter, Lauren, be with us several. Where, Lauren, where are you this morning? He's been with us several times. We love this. And also Drew and his beautiful girlfriend. Is he your, are you his girlfriend? Okay, well, just testing. Maybe a prophetic word there, a prophetic word. Are you embarrassed? Good. Put the camera on her. I talk funny. When you get to heaven, you'll talk funny too. How many of you are Irish? Many of you are Irish. Many of you would like to be Irish. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Say ashamed. Ashamed. The Holy Spirit. Spirit. And I pronounce you leprechauns. Here's one Irish impression. What is this? A shamrock shake. I'm sorry I even tried that. Let's pray. Let's put the emphasis back on God. Heavenly Father, we reach out and we touch the hem of your garment this morning. The world is tired. Some of us are tired. Some of our tears have stained the new carpet here in the sanctuary. 
And still the prodigal has not come home. Our body still hurts. Our marriage is still on the edge. Our needs are not being met. And so this morning, Father, we crawl and we reach out and we touch the hem of your garment. And we pray this morning through our action of faith that you will bless us. We pray that you will heal our bodies, restore, reconcile, reform. We pray that you will use this church not just to touch this community and this state and this country, but things that happen in this sanctuary will transform the globe. We dare to dream big dreams this morning. There are people a few years ago would say, Orlando's finished, Calvary's finished, it's over. Their good days are behind them. But Father, we believe this morning that our best days are yet to come. And this morning, in the next 35 minutes, we pray, Heavenly Father, that you will help us. Believe, believe, believe this morning that things we do will transform the course of history. Young kids this morning without hope. Hang on. Churches that are closing, hang on. Refugees that are walking the embassy around this world, hang on. Because we're going to help you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Move by your spirit in the sanctuary this morning. Extend our faith. Take away our cynicism, our sense of hypocrisy, Lord, that we think is so irrelevant around us. We look at you, Lord God. You're high and lifted up. Jesus, 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 move by your spirit, we pray. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Somebody once said that missions is not crossing the seas, but missions is seeing the cross. And when you see the cross, you can never, ever, ever hope to be the same again. I think America is the greatest country in the world. I still think that no matter what's happened over the last few years. We've got to understand that we carry an awesome authority and responsibility. If America feels, humanly speaking, there's little hope from major parts of this world. And we are, you're being taught by your mass media and your television that you're no longer great. People are telling you to look inward. Stop reaching out and touching the world that is lost. Look after yourself. America has been great for centuries. A couple of centuries anyway. You're not that old. Because you've reached out and shared what the Lord has given you with a world that is lost. And that is what has made you different. And the moment you turn your back on that, you'll just be ordinary. And this morning, Pastor Ed and the staff of this church and the elders have said, we're going to take this weekend and we're going to reach out and touch the world that is lost. I want to read from the book of Matthew 29. 20, actually. I'll be a, I just confessed a new book of the Bible. Matthew 20, verse 29. As he departed from Jericho, there may be a different version behind me, a large crowd followed him. There were two blind men sitting by the road where they heard that Jesus was passing, cried out, have mercy on us, O Lord God, Son of David. The crowd rebuked them that they should be quiet, but they cried out even more, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Jesus stood still 
and called them and saying, what do you want me to do for you? He stands on your aisle this morning. He stands at the door of this church. He's heard your cries. He sees your tears. What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let her eyes be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them, and he touched their eyes. Immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. My first slide this morning behind me is going to say, when somebody somewhere cares, somebody somewhere survives. We have an awesome responsibility this morning. Through our compassion and through our care this morning, some people across this world have hope this morning. They woke up without any hope. But they survive. Every single person here this morning, regardless of the fact that you're Irish or not Irish, there's hope for you. We have been... I get up this morning in the hotel, and I looked in the mirror. Say mirror. Mirror. It's what they brought the baby Jesus. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. <laughs> and I looked at myself in the mirror, and I don't like what I see. Pastor Ed stood up this morning. He looked like a million dollars. That suit, the hair, the tankage of the tie. I don't like him anymore. <laughs> Look at me. My best days are behind me. I look like an advert from an old leprechaun. But God looks at me this morning. And God loves me and God loves you. He loves every one of us. And he's called all of us to slide. To, we've been called to relieve spiritual hunger. Restore spiritual brokenness. And release spiritual abundance. What has happened in this church over the last couple of years is not just for you. The world needs to see what's going on here. And I've learned one thing about my life. Next slide. People who are successful for God are always moved by compassion. Next slide. Compassion is when we make other people's misery our own. I stand in front of you this morning, a representative of the continent of Europe, the continent that gave you God. They came here in their boats and their ships to suffer because they suffered persecution. They didn't come here to have compassion, to have turkey with the Indians. That finally happened. But 42% of them died that first winter. But they left behind something, a legacy in the soils of this great country. And the Holy Spirit nurtured it and made it grow. And it made America the greatest country in the world. But now, Europe is one of the most needy continents in the world. Aid has walked me through many, many countries. Europe is difficult. It's expensive. A gallon of gas costs about $7 now, and that's the cheapest it's been for years. $7 for a gallon of gas. My wife and I can no longer afford to put gas in our car, so I get into the car and she pushes me. (laughs) And we have her on a fitness program. My wife is a psychologist. I was telling something about last night, Marvin last night. My wife is a psychologist. She has never helped me. She just looks at me and takes notes. 
But as we walk through the continent of Europe, the continent to give you God, for the first time in our lives, there's a cloud like a man's hand. Pastor Ed and Marvin, who's sitting here with his beautiful wife, they came with me last year to Bulgaria. I formed a ministry 13 years ago called Convoy of Hope Europe, based on the Convoy of Hope in America. And we touch our continent socially, physically, and spiritually. And Pastor Ed and Marvin came as a culmination of 10 years. In that 10 years, thanks to largely the last time from money from this church, we had 30 outreaches in 10 years. 66,000 people attend those outreaches. 27 churches that were being closed were reopened. Three new churches started, and as Pastor Ed spoke six times in a day and a half, tremendous sermons, dozens and scores of people stood up and said, we've been touched by this ministry because somebody in Calvary Church Orlando cared. Hundreds and thousands in Bulgaria survived. Compassion. It's when we put somebody's misery on our shoulders. Compassion. Sympathy, next slide, sympathy is no substitute for action. Convoy of Hope, we go into communities where there's never been a church. And we touch people socially, spiritually, and physically. We put kids that are tremendously broken, we trafficked in the schools. We feed, we clothe them. We build them homes. We minister to them. We fix their homes. And fancy we started a church. In the last 13 years, we've ministered to one and a half million people. In 52 countries, we started 56 churches, which in Europe is incredible. Several years ago, we woke up one morning in the continent of Europe, and millions of refugees were walking across our land, our continent. Millions of them from countries that we could not get into the gospel. Many, many people said, we're not going to help these people. The refugees, they're ISIS. Why should we help ISIS? You know, I was a terrorist in Ireland for 14, 13 years, and God won me to the Lord. You know, I'm going to ask you this morning, just, do I help, you're going to ask me, do I help ISIS? Let me tell you something. When I help 100 refugees, 55 of them are authentic refugees. 30 of them, economic refugees. 10 of them, like Forrest Gump, are just walking. <laughs> Five of them, who knows? Who knows? But when I, what am I going to do? Feed 95 and ignore the other five? Or do I believe that God is bigger? I asked Pastor Ed to come into a camp with me. Three hours from Paris, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. There's a camp in Calais. They walk across the continent of Europe, these immigrants. They are raped. 10,000 of their kids have gone missing. Murdered. Trafficked. Sold. They walk towards this place, many of them, in Calais, 
across 30, mi- 30 kilometers, 32 miles across from England. They want to get to England. When they cut, get to Calais, they realize that the English don't want them. And so some haven't traveled one year with their wife disappearing, their kids disappearing, multiple stuff happening to them. They sit there in suspended agony. They can't go back. The French don't want them here. Neelys don't want them. So let's forget them. Let's just condemn them. Let's look away from the news. Let's make up stories about them that they don't deserve anything. Yet 2,000 years ago on the cross at Calvary, Jesus Christ died for them. And Pastor Ed Garvin from this church, walk with me through this camp in France. The French police stood outside. They don't care. The people of the city ignore the fact that there are 9,000 refugees. People who go to refugee camps in Africa say they've never seen anything like this in Europe. It's incredible. The worst camps they've ever seen in the world. They have no tents on them. It gets cold. They land on the ground. Fighting. They get food one meal a day, and most of them don't even like the food because they're Muslims. And we walked through that camp, and we noticed one thing. There were 17 mosques inside the camp. 17 mosques. Not one Christian outreach. This man, is a, this man believes in me. Guess we started in Calais. We started, besides feeding, clothing, giving out blankets, stoves, food, cooking, dead, 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 telephone thing. Dead, dead. We started the first evangelical Christian church in that refugee camp with 17 mosques. Thank you. A camp, it sat, a tent, it sat 40, 50 people, that's all. Then we surrounded by the wall. And Christians came. Two Christmases ago, 1,400 people out of a population in that camp of 9,000 came to our Christmas program. People from countries where their gospel is not even allowed. Qatar, Native Arab Emirates. Parts Muslims coming to the Lord in their hundreds. They're vulnerable. They're coming to the Lord in hundreds. The French police said, we're going to turn, close this camp down. I said, no, give us more time. Give us more time. I was in Amsterdam with my team. Uh, and I heard the news. They were closing the camp down in Calais. We drove through the night. And they cleared out all these 9,000 people in buses. Brought them to 10 places all around France left behind 500 kids on the age of 12. They were putting them out the next day. And the places were, our, 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 our tent, our church was burning. The mosque, they left them up. But they burned our church. There was fires, there was darkness. We're trying to get these kids food. And I sat on a rock and I said, God, why? Why? Why have you done this? And he spoke to me as clear as I'm speaking to you today with, 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 with a better accent. And he said, Michael, France has lost, left me to become secularist. The French people don't like the gospel anymore. And he says, I brought refugees from all over the world. They walked hundreds and thousands of miles. And churches like Orlando Calvary showed compassion 
And you had thousands come through the tent and hundreds, if not thousands, accepted the Lord. And now I, in my will, have spread them to 10 places all across France. And somewhere in France tonight, a French man has been led to the Lord by a Syrian refugee. Compassion is costly at every level. Let me tell you how I started this thing. I'm a church planter. The greatest thing we need in Europe is church planting. But to win this generation to the Lord, we've got to be social, have a social conscience. Many, many years ago, I was thinking about this, and I heard word that the Eastern European curtain was falling. And I said, we need to go in there and do something. And I always wanted to go to Romania. And I said one day, let's go to Romania. And Romania fell. Ceausescu was killed, the president. The wall fell. And suddenly, for the first time in my lifetime, Romania was open. And I said, let's go there. So a bunch of our young people got together with me. And we got this caravan. I got a blue minivan. And we drove from Brussels, where I was living. Although I'm from Ireland. I live in Brussels, Belgium. To Romania. We drove across Belgium, beautiful roads. We drove across Germany. I love the Autobahn. We drove across Austria. The sound of music is fantastic. We drove across Hungary, getting there. And we drove up to the border of Hungary and Romania. The wall had fallen four days before. And there's a list of cars. There's a line of cars as far as the eye can see. And I go, what? I don't like this. I had a bicycle, a couple of bicycles, so one or two of us cycled down to the border, several kilometers, and they had closed the border. They they couldn't handle what was happening, all these people coming in. Because up to that moment in in Romania, in a supermarket, there might be a tube of toothpaste, maybe. If you want to wear a pair of shoes, all the men wear black shoes, the same model, the women wear brown shoes. To buy gas, queue up for two or three days. And suddenly all these Westerners want to come in. So he closed the border. So I'm driving there. I'm standing there looking. What's happening here? I just then a limousine came up. The guards stopped the limousine. And they took out these guys. And they had a white permission slip to get into Romania. And I looked up looked. I was full of stamps. White, but it was full of... And the Eastern Europeans love stamps. I looked at mine from the embassy in Brussels. No stamps. So I cycled back to our mini fans. One of them was blue. And I was praying. I said, let's pray. And I said, God, what do you want me to do? And as I was looking at my mini fan, I saw a McDonald's Happy Meal. <laughs> Stay with me. <laughs> Driving through Budapest, I saw a sign from McDonald's on the way to Romania. I couldn't believe it was a McDonald's in Hungary at that time. So I said, let's go to, let's go to McDonald's in Budapest. So we went to Budapest. And the Hungarian language is words 30, oh, it's, the words are that long. I want, I want one of those chukamaka magyar, and it was a happy meal <laughs> with fries. <laughs> so I'd eaten this happy meal, and it's lying on the side of my truck, and I looked down at it, and through my Irish eyes, I see on the side of it, there's like little yellow stamps with Ronald McDonald. But in my Irish Catholic background mind, 
They look like golden stamps. So I said to the people with me, let's cut these stamps out of this McDonald's box and stick them on our Romanian visa. <laughs> I'm glad you weren't with me. And they're all going, just like you. <laughs> He's serious. And I said, yes, let's do it. And so we, we cut these out and we put them on. And at three o'clock in the morning, it looked okay. There was a couple of Californian girls with me at that moment in time from the Silicon Valley, and I was wondering what they were doing with us, because they were like, hi. Are we there yet? And I says, come here, we're going to drive up to the border. I'm going to jump out with this stamp stuck under this white piece of paper, and everybody's going. And I said, you Californian girls, I want you to jump out, walk up to the guards, and be Californian normal. So everybody's going. We're going to prison. I said, yeah. <laughs> but what a story. So we drove up. I got out. And the guards went out and said, the guards, hi. We're from California. And the guards looked at my thing. And they looked at the guards in California and says, go in. And I went into Romania. Thanks to McDonald's. Compassion has cost you at every level. For every achievement, there's a price. For every goal, there's an opponent. For every victory, there's a problem. For every triumph, there's a sacrifice. A sacrifice. We drove through Romania. It was unbelievable. I have never seen anything like it. 24 of us got into an hotel for so many of their lay coupons. I think it was $5 for the 24 of us. You didn't need a lock on the door. You, there were so much, many holes in the door. You could walk in through the door, right open and closing it. It was unbelievably cold. I froze to death. I traveled always with the wrong clothes. I traveled so much. And I had so cold, my head, look at that head. I got uh, underwear. Stick with me here. I put it on my head. Not for the first or last time. I put gloves on my hands. I was freezing to death. And I didn't know what to do. It was so cold. So we kept driving, and our blue minibus, that blue truck, broke down. So I'm standing there beside the truck with gloves on my hand, underwear on my head, freezing. The McDonald miracle is behind me. Where is God now? People are coming to the darkness, asking for food, and we look, I said, we're in trouble. So we started to pray. And one of my guys said, the Lord said, you've got to go down here. There's no tell down here. And I went, there's no tell down here? She so walked down 100 yards. You stay with the truck. And there was no tell there. And I walked up to the hotel, underwear in my head, socks. And the door of the hotel opened at 3 o'clock in the morning. And several people came out, and you know some of them. One of them was a pastor in California called Bob Padgett. One was a friend of mine called Dick Foth, a famous pastor. And the third one was John Icecroft. who was there to see the president of the country. I couldn't believe it. I'm going, ah! And they went, ah, because I had underwear in my head. <laughs> I said, well, it's an Irish thing. <laughs> I, 
John Icroft said to me, what do you need? And I said, what do I need? We were driving here. Help! He says, Michael, talk English. And I said, my truck is broken down. And John Icecroft went like this. For those people, I said. And people came running. I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> On the first night that I was married to my wife, I looked at her and I went. <laughs> and she hit me. It still hurts when it's cold. <laughs> and they fixed our truck. I see it talking to one they fixed our truck. I mean, thanks, John. Put the door back on again. You should try it sometime. I drove to Bethesda, Bucharest, to an orphanage. In that orphanage, oh, It was a young boy. When the wall collapsed, his father and mother brought him to the Bucharest train station and left him there. They said, we'll be back in five minutes. They left him. They... No food. They just left him. He was taken by some thugs down to these, underneath the ground where they smoked, sniffed flew. He was physically abused. He cried. First night he had a, an image of somebody speaking to him. He was picked up the third day and he was brought to an orphanage. An orphanage? They cooked everything with gas and these pipes and the pipes had holes in them and the holes would spurt out and cause fires and they employed a woman to stamp out fires all day. She went like this. The director of the orphanage was a, was a pedophile. They got one meal every two days. So they brought us into this orphanage. And the night before we came in, the young boy had been abused, left by his parents. He had a dream. And a voice said to him, I am sending help to you in a blue truck. The next day I drove through the gates of that orphanage, that's what, that's what it is, was, in a blue truck fixed by John Icecroft, supplied by money from Speed Delight in America. And the young boy says, help has arrived. And one of the Californian girls built a ministry there. He was the first one in that ministry. Think about it. Here's my, if you forget everything I say right now, listen to, please listen to my next line. As we sit here this morning, somebody, somewhere, is waiting for a blue truck. Somebody, somewhere, is waiting for a blue truck. That's why we're here this morning. Compassion. It's costly at every level. It's at convincing at every level. It's at the center of God, all God's activities. Commitment to God precedes 
understanding. I come to the end of my time. Do you hear them? The cries of the lost. Different cultures, different creeds, also their sickness and their sin. I look into the eyes of little kids who have been trafficked, who have never trusted a man. And because of your faith in us and your financial support, we're able to say to them, Jesus loves you, and I love you in him. And the eyes open of understanding. They understand that somebody loves them. Refugees who have been tortured and raped and belittled. And I live up to here in muck, filled with dirt. Sometimes I say, is there, any, is there any good in this world? Is there any good in this world at all? I have much more pain. I have two grandkids, and I can't, I, can't, I can't accept the fact that there are grandkids across this world, as we said here this morning, who are doing torture and unspeakable things. And God has called us. Look, we're a remnant. Son of God, have mercy on us. Son of God, have mercy he stopped. He stopped. And he had compassion on them. Your desire will determine your destiny. But this morning, your desire will determine their destiny. I pushed myself in front of you this morning. My body's getting old. It's broken. The tears over my eyes are sincere. I'm asking in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. To be the son, the greatest son ever in this church. To fulfill the dream of your pastor. To touch every nation, every country, every nation, every tribe. Do you hear them? Somebody, somebody, somewhere is waiting for a blue truck. You could drive this morning. I definitely close. I always close like this. Through the mist and through the storm, the star-spangled banner still flies tonight, despite what people say. And I say, God bless Pastor Ed and the staff. God bless you. And this morning, God bless United States of America. And let's get that blue truck to people who need it. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.